Welcome to The Gathering Place, a Blessed is She podcast. We're so glad you're here. Come chat with us about Jesus, prayer, community, and life. So let's get started. Hey, Beth. Hey, Jenna. How are you? Well, I am lit up right now because you just said something so nice about me. Can't say it on the podcast, only in private. Okay. Well... (laughs) I wouldn't have brought it up if I didn't think <laughs> I don't you were going to remember what I said. If I didn't think you were going to repeat it what so that I, I could say? remember it forever. You say it. Therese said, have fun. And you said, with Beth. <laughs> I don't remember either. It was something like I always do or I don't know. It was very sweet. With Beth, I always have a good time. Is that true? Yeah. And I was just telling Mike this morning on the way here. How I talk to you about your future spouse and what you should like look for, you know? Oh. Obviously, it's the Lord first. Then I think it should be personality. Okay. Then funny. You don't think funny is a part of personality? No. Can I give you an example? Well, Mike was making me laugh. And he said, I'm glad I make you laugh. And I said, well, I think it's really important. Yeah. Anyway, I think someone can be super funny, like especially in private. There are lots of funny people. But if they don't have a personality and they're just like a dud, who not as fun. Now that I hear this explanation. Yeah, you need a personality, man. Definitely. You need to be able to talk to people. I agree. Then I thought to myself, wow, I wonder if people think Mike doesn't have a personality. No. Nope. <laughs> I think they do because he can be really quiet sometimes. So yeah. what if they're having a conversation with their spouse and they're like, how did Jenna marry him? I think we all have days where we're just a little more quiet a little more reserved i don't think that means that you don't have a personality i don't have that day really yeah yeah i can always turn it on in general you're just a much more (laughs) steady person i think than i am i have my quiet my quiet times i think post covid i became more quiet i agree yeah i think it's probably safe to say that we became a lot of things Mm -hmm. post covid in fact much of what we're going to be talking about this season is really just what we've lived in the past four or five months. Yeah, totally. The like results are very different than what I was like before. Mm. I think interiorly, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know how lived out it is yet. I Yes, I know what you mean. Yeah. So I was talking to this friend yesterday and she's like, how are you? How are things going? How's blessed is she? I was like, pretty chill. Uh-huh. And this person has been with me like from the beginning. Sure. You know? She was like, I have never heard you describe <laughs> your life yeah. or the ministry as pretty chill. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you know, COVID just changed everything. Mm-hmm. Changed us, I think, first of all, but the ministry too and, and kind of just what we feel called to. And that began, of course, with like universal COVID in 2020. Right. But in a particular way, when both of us, Personally, we're sick and just struggling through that and, and kind of coming out. We've come out changed. And I think really the whole world has. I don't think I would have been changed much if I hadn't gotten sick. Really? I mean, I think I've like grieved and slowed down, especially mm-hmm. in 2020, just like family changes, yes. schooling, those sorts of things. Yeah. But again, I think it was more exterior. And this time was like a very interior transformation interesting yeah that's such a good way to put it yeah it sort of worked its way from out yeah to in yeah I think before it was like coping and like just getting past this 
I think eventually will everything will be back to normal. Can't wait for things to go back. Yeah. Yeah, but just psychologically, I think the country, <laughs> the world, totally. humanity has been affected on like a soul level. Yeah. I feel like this is kind of what we did last year. So I was going to sort of push back when you said like I wouldn't have really changed mm. because I do feel like things really changed for Blessed Is She, at least for me, with like the traveling and the retreats and the schedule of events. Yeah, on a practical level, things changed. But then I think even for me, because my work changed mm -hmm. and I started doing the well, mm -hmm. that was a deeper thing. So it wasn't only like without, it was within. Yeah, I didn't have that. <laughs> I mean, you did the well, Jenna. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> you did a, you did like a beta version of it. Yeah. 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 With the stuff. But yeah, you definitely seemed very changed by all the practical things that changed last year. Yeah. The well being the most beautiful fruit of that time. Yeah. You know? And we had, we had dreamt of it and talked about it, but there just was never time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The Lord made time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm so grateful for that. But even with all of that beauty and all of that depth and the new grace, and really, I think I've, I've mentioned this before, but how the Lord really cultivated this spiritual motherhood in me. And I really began to understand and to own and to practice that in a real way. There was still like a sense of, if you imagine like a runner at a starting line uh -huh. and they're like braced and ready, they're like ready for the gun yeah. to like take off again. So it's like, I'm here, I'm crouched down, I'm not moving. Mm. We're just waiting mm -hmm. though for life to start again, for the race to start again. Mm -hmm. So there was kind of that tension within me of feeling like, okay, how am I going to do the well when traveling and retreat start yeah. up again? When, you know? Yeah. And I mean that both, it was a distraction and a temptation mm. to think we're just getting through this time, really until we both got sick. Yeah. Then what happened? I just think... For a long time, it's felt both impossible and utterly unattractive to go back to mm -hmm. what we were doing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I just don't feel like I can do that anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't really want to. Yeah. Sometimes I can get kind of worked up and feel the pressure of deadlines or, or wanting to do more. But even just this week, we've had some opportunities come up for events or you know, and, and there's like a certain excitement there. Mm -hmm. We love so many people and we want to like get out there. And and of course, the experiences that we offer on like a retreat or a revival are incredible, insane. What a blessed life. I can't even yeah. fathom it. But I can feel this like, I was praying about it this morning, actually, mm -hmm. like this kind of like shaking energy of like, mm -hmm. it's stress, basically. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, Lord, do you want us to do that other revival? Am I just filling the calendar? Because, Like, is this my old way of thinking about mm -hmm. it? I don't want to do it unless this is what you're calling us to do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't want to live in that, like, at that heightened level mm -hmm. like I used to, mm -hmm. where I was, like, getting through on adrenaline. And, you know, and we've talked about this personally, that, of course, 
the Lord was in that and was yeah. calling us to it. And, and there was a season for that. But now we're in a new season. Yeah. Do you want to talk about what it's been like for you? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So we got sick in July and um, three of us did here at the office. Shout out to Therese. Sweetie pie. (laughs) Um, Kelsey was spared. Praise be to God. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so we got really sick and it was so hard for both of us and in a lot of similar ways, I think, and in a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. Well, and if you're just joining us or if if you're not sure of the timeline, so Jenna is pregnant and was pregnant when she got sick. Mm -hmm. And then we both developed pneumonia Mm -hmm. as well. I remember hearing about cases of people like being asymptomatic or like having a cold or even flu-like symptoms, but just our experience of it was not like that. Right. So then I have five kids and I was pregnant and um, Beth lives alone and two really hard situations to be isolated to like not be able to touch your kids or be with your kids. And I know so many of you, I'm sure, can attest to this or have experienced some form of this with your own family or with yourself. Um, and then Beth just being physically alone mm-hmm. um, can, I think, just cause a lot of emotional stress. Mm-hmm. Um, so during that time, I really struggled in prayer. Yeah. Kind of at the beginning. Early on, yeah. Yeah, early on in, in uh, our COVID Laying in bed. <laughs> Did a lot of online shopping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Eventually, as Beth said, got pneumonia, went to the hospital, and was admitted for a few days at the hospital. Again, just like totally alone. And felt like a great helplessness. Mm. I remember finally getting better and coming home and like Mike being so happy. Yeah. You know, they just like drop you off outside the hospital, like wheel you out and you're just like sitting there waiting for a ride. (laughs) It's so funny. So Mike pulled up in the truck and was just bawling. Like just so happy to see me. And I just felt so weak still. And that has been just the continued posture, I think. Yeah. Like this physical feeling of weakness that I had never felt before. Yeah. Sure, Lord, I'm spiritually weak. Like you're strong in my weakness, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. But to physically be suffering, I think manifests on a different level. Yeah. Um, and so I, I let that, and I think this is a key thing that we let this physical weakness, turmoil, suffering, pain into our hearts. And let it change us. Mm-hmm. And let it do something to our souls. Because I think we can do a lot of suffering in our lives, but never let it really penetrate mm-hmm. um, maybe where the Lord's trying to get in. I just wanted to say in, in that vein, Yeah, I think a, a real grace for me early on, Yeah, once I could like get out of bed and I couldn't really read, and, mm-hmm. and that was a real suffering for me, just to not be able to do anything. Like not even have the energy to text someone, which sounds so dramatic. It was so real. Yeah. So once I could like sit up <laughs> and read, like focus my eyes on a page, I just got in the word, you know. Praise God. And there was a, a, a scripture I started reading, James, and uh, it's right away. Chapter 1, verse 2. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind... Consider it nothing but joy 
because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let that endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, Mm. lacking in nothing. And I feel like I hear a lot of people talk about like consider it joy. That wasn't actually the word that like really deeply rooted itself in me. Again, at the beginning of this, what would become a longer season of suffering, Mm -hmm. longer than I'd ever experienced of physical suffering, it was this verse four, and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. And I remember praying even early on, I, you know, I hated the suffering. <laughs> I wanted it to be over. There was a lot of fear and discomfort, pain. But I understood interiorly, there was a deeper knowing that the graces that God was giving in that suffering, I could never have received any other way. Yeah. I don't know that I ever would have been vulnerable enough to let the Lord love me mm. like that. Mm-hmm enough for my own defenses to come down. And so this word about like, let it take its full effect, there was like a real longing and prayer in me to like not waste the suffering. Mm. And that sounds probably so holy. It didn't look that, (laughs) it didn't look a lot like that. Right. But there was like an agreement in my soul Mm. that I wanted whatever the Lord was doing to take full effect of course, in my humanity, I like wanted to feel better. I wanted it to be over. But I, I understood kind of wordlessly that there was something the Lord wanted to do, something he wanted to give me, something he wanted to show me about himself and myself that I never could have accessed without the physical weakness and helplessness. Yeah. It's still taking its full effect. Let me tell you what, it's not pretty. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. I totally agree with that. And that's so beautiful. Yeah, I wasn't like there yet Mm. when I left the hospital. You know, I still was really struggling in prayer and just feeling this sense of like, I knew the Lord was there, but I had no desire to pray. Mm. I had no like desire to be in union with him. But I never felt alone, which is huge. Yeah. I think going home was really when it started to change for me. So Mike had been through his own suffering and gone through a lot while I was at the hospital. Our kids were with my parents, so they weren't even home. And because Mike had been positive, so we were just keeping the kids away. And anyway, so they had finally come home, I think the day before I got home. And so it was just like such a beautiful time of being together. And Mike had felt this call for us to start praying a rosary together. So Every night he would do the rosary and I would just sit in the recliner because I still like felt so delicate Mm. from having pneumonia and just a lot of fear about breathing. And so they would just pray the rosary. And eventually I like made it to one decade. Then I made it to three decades, like saying it with them, you know, otherwise I just like sat there and prayed silently. What was so incredible about that time was again, this like physical experience I was having before, which I've talked about a lot. Like I'm totally a productivity aholic. Mm-hmm. So when it's like chore time, I'll have one kid doing the laundry, putting all the laundry away, one kid doing the dishes, one yeah. kid sweeping and mopping. Like we're all having all these tasks so that when we're all done in the next 30 minutes, now we can chill and, you know, it's being efficient. <laughs> Mike and I are both super into that. 
Well, and you can then all be together. Totally. Yeah. Well, probably not. I'm probably going to go work and they're going to like watch a TV show or something. That was before. I was going to say that feels like a long time ago. Yeah. Whereas this time it was a real feeling of I can't actually get up from this chair. Mm -hmm. Like I feel physically bound to this. Yeah. And because of this physical experience, my soul is slowed down. Like my spirit is slowed down. There's a pause in me that was never there before because mm. it was always such a go, go, go. I was like always the runner on the starting line and mm -hmm. I could do a lot in my yeah. first hundred meters. So just this experience of like, not only myself again, being physically stalled, but my spirit and also my family, like not asking everyone to do 8 million things at once. Like my kids, it's like pretty yeah. common for them that they used to say, well, you just asked me to do this other thing. Which thing do you want me to do first? And I'm like, babe, I want you to, to do all of them. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> I guess that's not possible. I wanted you to already be done with that <laughs> yeah, one. exactly. So that you could do this one. <laughs> so like, you asked me that 20 seconds ago. I'm like, guys, got to keep up. Yeah. You know, this, this first few episodes, I apologize for being at a loss for words. But this really is something that I find it very difficult to articulate. This yeah. like physical experience I had that translated into my spiritual posture, mm -hmm. my life posture of just being slower, not moving so fast. Yeah. Yeah. And just being slower. You had some other really intense life challenges as well. Yeah. So our sewer pipeline broke underneath yeah. our house. That was a disaster. It was like a 30 foot trench in our house trying to fix it. Um, so yeah, we didn't have a dishwasher, washing machine, bathroom. And you couldn't bring anyone in until everyone had, right. had tested negative. Yeah. yeah. So some of my kids then had subsequently tested positive. So then we couldn't leave the house. We just had to live with no dishwasher, washer, bathroom while they tested negative before we could have anyone come in and do right. anything. So that was interesting. Put another little wrench in our lives. A lot of like being patient and waiting for us all to be done. We all celebrated a lot when we got negatives. Yeah. <laughs> it was a great joy. And I remember I finally picked up Jessica again, Sister Miriam of the Holy Spirit. And can I read this one poem to you? Please. We're basically a Jessica Powers reading poetry. <laughs> Podcast. Yeah. So yeah, as you said, Jessica Powers loves Mary Magdalene. So she has a couple really beautiful poems about her. This one's called The Blood's Mystic. And it's beautiful. I'll read you two little parts of it, but it's a longer poem. One can surmise Mary Magdalene went to Calvary, distraught and weeping, and with loud lament clung to the cross and beat upon its wood, till Christ's torn veins spread a soft covering over her hair and face and colored gown. She took her first communion in his blood. Then the very last line is, was it not the weight of the warm blood that slowed and silenced her? Anyway, so I read that and it was just such a piercing example of how I felt like the Lord's presence in my life was just like physically slowing me down. Just like I could imagine myself being Mary Magdalene at the cross and this warm blood slowing and silencing me to not be so quick with my words, to not be so quick with my actions. 
but to be slowed by his presence. So just in that, in that slowing down, um, we did move, <laughs> which was a little bit crazy. It's the opposite of slowing down. Yeah. Yeah. What was such a gift about that time, though, of moving was we finally moved and we're settled in a new place and had a washing machine, <laughs> but we kept up our family rosary. Yeah. And then we started calling you mm-hmm. for the family rosary. Yeah. Mike was very concerned that he was very worried about you, about how much and how long I was alone. So we would FaceTime and pray the rosary together. That was like one of three rosaries I would pray a day. You know, I figured you were praying a lot of them because I, I would pray like I needed a breathing treatment all through the night. I would wake up. I would pray the rosary like in the pitch black middle of the night, taking a treatment. Then I would pray with your family. I've had a routine for years of praying the rosary um, just at night, like getting ready for bed and taking a shower. And I just like audio listen to that. And that's more, I do like more interceding then. So it was like some nights I would hang up from praying the rosary with you guys and like put on the rosary and like take a shower to go to bed, you know? Yeah, so that that was a great gift because I wasn't really seeing anyone for a while. How long? Well, Kelsey brought me communion. Thanks be to God. Besides Kelsey. I mean, a couple of weeks. Sometimes people would come and drop, like, groceries by and, like, stand outside the door. Yeah. But those were, like, not a visit. We're not talking because I, you remember, I, like, couldn't talk even because of the cough and my breathing. And so they weren't long visits. So I didn't see people for a long time. (laughs) And on the one hand, I was very grateful not to live with anyone, not to get anyone sick. and. Uh, but it was it was really hard to be alone. And in some ways, I'm still kind of struggling with that. So yeah, two weeks into COVID, you know, I still just wasn't doing great. And I have a tendency to just kind of minimize and try to like push through. Again, yeah. that, that's sort of my philosophy living with asthma anyway. <laughs> I just kind of, it's just my life. So it's fine. Um, and I, I had had some follow-up appointments with a doctor, um, but just was not improving even after steroids and and what have you. Um, And so finally, you encouraged me, like, you just need to go to urgent care and and see what's going on. And that's when I um, had the pneumonia x-ray. Yeah, it was really very painful on many levels. When I got pneumonia, I was supposed to be leaving for a revival that week. And so to kind of line everything up and offer that to the Lord was really painful, really very painful. Beautiful in a way because it was just profoundly intimate to like be with the Lord in my suffering and enter into his suffering more than I ever had before. And I had been praying um, really in my personal prayer time for a few months prior to this experience, I had really been with our crucified Lord. And that was not a natural attraction for me. Most of my life, I've like avoided the cross and I felt like very guilty. I didn't like love Holy Week. It was just like, I just wanted to get through it, you know? Yeah. But I had been praying and just had this growing attraction and like deep love for crucified Jesus. And, and in that time, in that prayer, he became so beautiful to me. I feel like in that prayer and like seeing Jesus crucified and being so 
with him like that and loving him and letting him love me like that rewired my brain and my sight. Mm. It was like, I think the first time I've like really understood love even. And so to have been falling so deeply in love with Jesus on the cross, you know, and then to like enter into it, I was like, oh, this, this is why people, you know, love the cross or it's what the saints talk about mm. when they say such crazy things about suffering being a source of intimacy. Mm. It's not like I'd never had like emotional suffering, relational suffering I had, but the physical suffering is just a whole other thing. It's hard to sort of sum up the experience. You know, I'm still like struggling with like lung damage and um, just the tiredness and apparently words sometimes. <laughs> but there's a, there's a real tension there for me because when I look back on that time, it was some of the most intimate and profound prayer of my life. Not in the beginning, of course, when I like couldn't, um, but especially through the pneumonia and um, just those like subsequent weeks of still being at home, still being isolated, barely being able to work. Yeah, complications from medications and withdrawals from medications. And it was just like a whole thing. And yet there was this intimacy in prayer that I've never known. And again, that I know I never could have mm. experienced without the suffering. I'm not saying we should seek out suffering, right. but in a way I'm even kind of aching and struggling because as like, you know, as I improve <laughs> and, and life picks up again, I still want that. But everything is so noisy again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Even though the, the pace and the busyness, it's nothing like what it was. But even this slowed down pace is very mentally noisy. Yeah. Question. Yeah. Is there an image that encapsulates that time or you right now? I think that might help us mm -hmm. if there is one, if you'd be willing to share. Is it just the cross? No, I actually didn't pray with the cross okay. during like my actual sickness. It was yeah. all the cross until I got sick. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then it actually happened during the well. Um, what I ended up praying with the whole time I was sick, so like weeks, yeah. oh, more than a month, you know, mm -hmm. was this, I lead this meditation in the well about the heart as a garden. And when I was leading it that week, the Lord's always so generous to me that I'm, I'm really able to like hear him and see him and feel him. Even when I'm like doing ministry or leading other people in prayer, you know, he's always like right there mm. with me and for me. And so when I led it, I, I've prayed with the garden of my heart for years. Yeah. So it's a pretty well-known territory. Territory. Thank you. <laughs> but that the week so I think it was like the day before we got really, like I just thought I had a little allergies or cold or something. Um, but before we knew it was COVID, I was leading this Garden of the Heart meditation and I like had walked through the woods with the Lord, which is not a place I normally am in the Garden of my heart. Mm. But I was like, okay, I have seen this place before, but 
we came out of the woods and there was this really beautiful still lake. Mm. Jesus like just stood on the edge and like waited for me to come to him and then we just walked into the water. Mm. And so for the the whole time I was sick, I he just like carried me in the water. I just like floated. I couldn't walk, which was pretty prophetic actually. Um, I couldn't do anything. I just like had my arms around his neck. And um, uh, there are some deeper things of like what water as a language means to me in prayer and that particular place that I had seen but hadn't understood it in the context of the garden of my heart. And I'd never been in the water, mm. certainly not with the Lord being carried like that. There was very little talking. I just had my arms around his neck and we weren't going anywhere. I mean, mm. just like mm-hmm. had an arm around me and kind of like floating, but also moving around the water. And I just like rested there. Mm. I remember at the beginning, like March 2020, I brought like my fear to the Lord about COVID. And he just very plainly, very firmly said, I will protect you. And then I got very sick. But I have to tell you, I felt God's protection in that. Yeah. To me, the Lord saying, I will protect you, wasn't him saying, you're not going to suffer. You'll never get sick. Nothing bad will ever happen to you. Yeah. He was saying, I will be with you. There was just such a deep understanding during that time that the Lord was faithful to that word. Mm. He did protect me, and he will always protect me because he's with me, and he's able to use everything for good. I feel like words even fail to express the gravity with which I feel Mm. that protection and love. I was chatting with a a nun. I had mentioned a little bit about our suffering in uh, the talk on the fly retreat. Oh, yeah. And she pulled me aside and said, like, can we talk about this? Like, I've been in a long season of suffering, and I just want to kind of share, which was really beautiful. I think I asked, like, what was the Lord doing, or what do you see now in retrospect? What grace came from that? And she said, you know, there were moments that I actually felt favored by God. (laughs) And you're shaking your head. I felt the same way. Like, my word for the year is chosen, and I understood that, that in like tasting this suffering, I was chosen by God for yeah. this intimate love to taste his suffering. Yeah. Even just like the closeness of Jesus, like holding me in the water. Yeah. When I came back to daily mass, I mean, I could still like barely kneel, you know, I just was still so physically weak, but just was like dying to receive again. And people had brought me communion a a few times, thanks be to God. But after having gone for like nine months, it was, that was maybe the deepest suffering for me was that I couldn't Mm -hmm. go to, couldn't go to daily mass. Trying to think what he said or how I knew. Mm -hmm. But I remember like shuffling down the aisle to go to communion Mm -hmm. and looking at the cross that I'd missed so much. I love the crucifix at my parish. (laughs) And I had like felt and heard and just understood that that the suffering was like a, an intimate kiss. Like this is what the love of the Lord feels like. And I know that can be misinterpreted, especially when it, it hasn't been personally experienced. And of course, my words are 
so limited and yeah, that I'm just not even able to fully express the experience of it. But it's love that compelled Jesus to die on the cross. Mm-hmm. It's love that compels him to show us mercy in the deepest and darkest parts of our story and our humanity. And so, of course, like the place where his love is the most active and generous and almost smothering is in that experience of darkness and suffering. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm not saying that we seek it out, but I learned there was a tremendous intimacy. Yeah, sometimes I can feel a little suspicious of my own prayer, and Mm. that's something that I'm working on with my spiritual director. Just I think especially like the bridal imagery and how pursuant the Lord is of me, romantic in a way. And, you know, that's had lots of implications like vocation-wise, but Mm -hmm. sometimes I've been like, is this for real, you know? Yeah. And the next day after that daily mass, a very holy, dear friend of mine texted me. I was praying the rosary. I was with you when I got that text. Mm -hmm. And I was just floored. She said, like, the, the Lord helped me to understand that this experience of suffering for you is, she used the word intimate kiss. And that was exactly what my my prayer had been in mass. So it's just a beautiful confirmation or mm-hmm. affirmation. Definitely a deepening of that grace for yeah. me. It's so cool. Yeah. You similarly pray and are, are held by the Lord in water. I think the coolest part is that I can't float. You didn't learn as a kid? No, I don't know if they can fix that. Chest up, tummy up. That's what no, they tell me as a kid. Mine doesn't work like Chest that. Chest up, tummy up. My booty's weighing me down. Anyway, what I'm saying is it's so cool because I don't float in real life. So in my image, it's just like the greatest feeling <laughs> to float. Yeah. And to just be weightless and have nowhere to go. Mm, <laughs> wow. Just right here with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he'll like whisper in my ear, but mostly it's just like at my head, just floating. Yeah. So it was a real physical experience of that. Like I can't move mm-hmm. in real life. Mm-hmm. So this prayer is coming into my real life. Mm-hmm. Deepening. So I just love what you shared from James, especially about letting the endurance have its full effect. Because I think if it's suffering, if it's pain, if, if it's grief, that through this endurance as painful as it is, as much as as we want to push it away and not be going through it anymore, just like you said, we can open ourselves up more to him to let all of that take its full effect, to let his love and union embed itself even deeper in our hearts. Mm -hmm. It felt so um, natural for it to change me. And as you shared that, that protection word from the Lord, I almost was like he was protecting me from who I would continue to be. Right. Like I can be more free now. Yeah. Because I'm slowed by his blood, because I'm a different person inside. Mm -hmm. I think there's a real um, dangerous way of thinking that maybe people are more familiar with in Protestant spaces Mm. of the prosperity gospel. One dimension of that gospel is that... 
we won't suffer. Yeah, bad things won't happen. If we love God, if we declare scripture, if we live righteous lives, that God will protect us. But but that protection looks a lot like human wisdom. Mm. It looks a lot like material blessing and advancement and promotion. And when really I think the, the favor of God is union with God. Yes. And you cannot have union with God without the cross. We wouldn't have eternal life without the cross. So union would be impossible <laughs> without the cross. Mm-hmm. We have to go through it. And I just feel like it's one of those, those cheesy adages that people say, like, there's no resurrection without the cross. But it's true. Mm-hmm. It's why I love being Catholic. It's why I love that there's a crucifix in every church. It took me years to appreciate that. But an empty cross to me does does not like declare victory. Mm. It's like missing the most fruitful, beautiful, love-soaked image. As you were talking, I just keep on coming back to you, which we talked about last season of just purification. Mm-hmm. It's like a another level of purification. Suffering. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Just a stripping away of. A lot. Yeah. And I think that's like how I'm trying to explain my like physical slowing down was it was like a physical purification that then came inside. I th- And I think it is possible to say no to that purification. Totally. But let me tell you, the pain of pushing against that invitation mm-hmm. of rejecting it and keeping suffering, which is just reality, the reality of our lives on this earth in a fallen world, it, it, as hard as we try to like strong arm suffering, keep it at a distance, we're in pain doing that. Yeah. But if we can in some way like surrender to it, embrace it even, find Christ on the cross in it. I think on the other hand, there are people who do experience a lot of suffering even physical suffering, you know, in their generous Catholic theology yeah, are really focused on offering it up, like mm-hmm. making it an offering. And I think that's beautiful. But in the words of Father Burns to me, while I was suffering, mm-hmm. offering it up is a high level. That's like high level stuff, high level virtue. That's what I was just thinking as you were even saying that. I'm like, wow, Lord, you would need me to get to like another level. Totally. <laughs> Totally. <laughs> to get there. <laughs> like he, I'm, I'm pretty sure his text said like, wow, that's high level stuff. Yeah. Like there's something that comes before it. I think you can actually almost disassociate from the suffering to yes. say like, I'm offering this to you, Lord. This hurts and this is painful, but all for you, Jesus. And there's like a handing off instead of an embrace of mm. the suffering to say like, Lord, I love you and I'm going to let you love me in this suffering yeah. and give it back to you. Like there's a skipping over of the intimacy that is extended into just like kind of this religious exercise of offering it up. Yeah. And maybe that's a generational thing, you know? Yeah. 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 Again, I just like love that full effect language. Mm -hmm. Like let it come in and make its full effect. Totally. Before you give it back to the Lord. Totally. I mean, I'm thinking of another Jessica Powers poem. Let me hear it. Is it the cloister? I love the cloister. You do? Mm-hmm. 
Oh my gosh. Nobody lives in this shining house but God. Those shadowy figures tremble to and fro over these cool gray stones that suffering made. Only the pierced feet of the master go. A fire went through this place and gutted it. Over the ruins, a fog of silence spread. Nobody comes here but the pale young Christ who loves a shelter uninhabited. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit, amen, Lord. Thank you that you're drawn to a shelter uninhabited, that you come and you fill the empty places, the neglected rooms, the abandoned houses in us. Thank you that you don't look upon the damage of a fire or a loss or a robbery and think it's a lost cause, but that you come and you make your home there. You're drawn to it. You're drawn to us in our weakness, in our suffering, when we can do nothing. Lord, you come to the rescue. You're the hero, Lord. I pray that we would let you be the hero, that you would come and save us, Savior, redeem us, Redeemer, heal us, healer. Come and make your home in us again, Jesus. We give you access. We're suffering anyway, Lord. We give you access. Thank you that we're never alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Will I ever be over that poem? No, it's unreal. Unreal. Sister Miriam of the Holy Spirit, pray for us. Thanks for chatting, Beth. Jenna, you too. Love you. Love you. Bye. See you on the starting line. (laughs) I'll just be floating. (laughs) Bye. Bye.